Welcome back to DJ Coffee Talk. Today we sit down and share a cup of coffee with Kyra Bramble. Kyra is a woman of many talents. She's an author, chef, entrepreneur, marketer, yogi, and the founder of More Please, a digital collective of private chefs specializing in health and wellness. Today we discuss her book, Burning Wings. It's a mostly true story of adventure and self-discovery that documents the coming-of-age experience that was her first burn. She captures the love, light, communion, fear, darkness, spirituality, and horror that accompanies her psychedelic odyssey through the desert. The scenes of her novel range from esoteric prose to sensual and blunt gonzo-style writing. She invites us to better understand her and her inspiration in writing the novel. In full disclosure, part of this interview will not be included in this episode because of quality purposes. But we still think that the section that was recorded properly was full of knowledge and interesting facts about Kyra that we still wanted to share it with everyone. This section of the interview starts with Jack reading an exceptionally well-written passage from Burning Wings that he follows up with the question. Here's the quote. The bees buzz loudly and swarm together in search of the floating flying saucer flowers that hover in the sky and elegant giant butterflies fly up into a starlit sky and form rainbows. The rainbows burn too, but their ashes arc up higher and higher and birth clouds. My fairy dances among the clouds, and as she flies through them, she leaves little tunnels. The clouds dance and grow, filling the tunnels, expanding, until finally they burst and they rain down bright drops of metallic liquid. I focus on one particular drop, and it descends toward me in slow motion until it lands right on my third eye with a wet plop. I just thought it was interesting how you, you went about, you know, describing something like a hallucinogenic experience with literature and with writing, but you know, what was that process like for you to try to describe, you know, a second? I'm not sure that was really just kind of art also and going into these trances and there's you know the character take definitely takes a lot of different different substances in the book and I feel like each one gives it's a little bit of a different writing style there are some like what you were describing that's very very psychedelic and spiritual and beautiful and floaty and there's you know some that are a little bit darker and there's the you know, the uppers where, you know, I kind of lose that beauty and go into this ego place. Um, I'm not sure. I've definitely always loved psychedelic literature. I grew up, grew up with hippie parents who met on Grateful Dead tour. And I think, you know, Hunter, Hunter S. Thompson, um, like Tom Wolf were definitely big inspirations. Uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas was a huge writing inspiration for this book. That, you know, that kind of just gonzo style, don't give a fuck, get really real and dark and deep. But I feel like mine's a little bit more more feminine, a feminine take on gonzo writing. So, yeah, I don't really I don't really have a straight answer. Um, it's just it was just art. There wasn't really very much of a process. It was just a culmination of years and years of reading and, you know, being a lot of years in my twenties taking all these substances and just came, it just came out as you've read it. Yeah. No, I think and it's interesting too trying to find that line. I think with Gonzo writing, you're not trying to be maybe too raw. I don't, 
it's hard because it's you know it's artwork so it's subjective but you don't want to be like you want to be raw but not too raw sometimes but i don't know there's just a delicate line i feel like sometimes with that type of writing i think you wrote it really well um and you wrote that line really well but you don't want to be you know too graphic sometimes because then maybe that might deter people i don't know it's up to the writer but i, I feel like you I well came yeah i guess you i guess you have to keep this yeah, I just have to keep the story the story going too. So you're just you it's just one big one big psychedelic experience. You're not really sure what's happening, and I feel like you lose the the writer. And you know, part of part of doing psychedelics from a medicinal standpoint is absolutely having space to to integrate what you learned. Hmm. And I think that the character going back and forth between you know in the writing going back and forth between having these experiences and then having a little bit of space in between for the reader to integrate. hundred percent. Yeah. Makes sense. Do you have a question? Yeah. Um, so this is kind of an oddball question I wanted to bring in, but um, since, you know, most of this book, book is about kind of like a, a revelation and coming to, to terms. Um, what, what's something you think, uh, uh, what are some things you think you would kind of say to a, a Kyra that if you were to somehow travel back in time and experience that person, like what would be something you would, you would tell Kyra in her, in her twenties, if, if you had the, the chance to. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Just talking to all, all young women in their late teens and early twenties that are first starting off in this experience is God damn, you have such a beautiful, beautiful journey ahead of you. Um, you don't owe anybody anything, (laughs) (laughs) your boundaries, your boundaries are your own. Your body is your own. Your experience is your own. I spent a lot of time trying to be too nice and trying to please everybody and really only ended up hurting myself by not owning my own boundaries and owning my own worth. Um, I definitely got really, really lost to find myself. And, you know, that's part of the journey. If that's what you need to do and enjoy it, but, you know, come, come back to reality, figure out what you're passionate about and just, and just do it. Um, Festivals made me realize how passionate I was about creating experiences and bringing people together and working in the back scenes of festivals, just starting off volunteering and then doing some, you know, production positions. I really got to see them from, from a different level yeah. and got to, you know, to firsthand help contribute. Like I'm, I'm definitely a big advocate of creation and of work and of finding, finding worth through that and having mm-hmm. everything that I love be as much me giving as I am taking from it. So if there's if, if festivals inspire you, if art inspires you, if cooking inspires you, whatever it is, figure out a way to be around the people that are creating what inspires you and learn from them and just soak it all up. Um, what else? Take care of your bodies. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of my one of my festival of Burning Man tricks is sunrise and sunset. You know, you're never sure when you're awake and when you're not awake. The sleeping patterns are all over the place. Uh, Sunrise and sunset, I go back to camp. I make sure I drink water. I take my vitamins. I wash my face. I make sure my face looks good. (laughs) I change my panties at the very least, or I change a whole new outfit. Change your socks. Just have that that really basic human maintenance. Yeah. Like get you really far. (laughs) You'll be a lot cuter at sunrise after you do all that. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's a really good analogy too for kind of um routine like even if life gets fucking crazy like still you know make sure you're taking care of yourself and go to bed if you can at the right time and you know yeah carry carry i like to carry around those little um those little floss things mm-hmm. so i always so i have floss on me and then you can give them out at sunrise um <laughs> always have sunglasses for sunrise <laughs> Yeah, always, always have water. Um, yeah, no, I love, I love little gifts, little just like fun ways to interact with people and start mm-hmm. conversations. And yeah, really, just trust your heart and trust your intuition. I think yeah. that it can be really easy to get wrapped up in, in the superficial and you know, in the the dark side of partying that we were talking about because we're not really taught to listen to our feelings and our intuitions. We're looking for like Instagram and MTV for inspiration. And there's so much, there's so much more than that. So yeah, just looking, trust yourself, trust yourself about people, trust yourself about situations, trust Mm -hmm. yourself about whether or not you should ingest something, you know, it's, yeah, I think that's all my advice for all the the beautiful, the beautiful young women out there. Oh, and I'll read my book. Find out. Uh, <laughs> um, there's yeah, there's a lot of what not to do in the book. I hope that it helps yeah. somebody. Oh, and actually, that um that brings me to something else. See, so, yeah, I t- talked to you guys about how when I was growing up, I read mm-hmm. all of these psychedelic books. As as I was doing marketing research before I launched Burning Wings, I realized that there's no, I couldn't find any. If you have any, tell me. I couldn't find any um, psychedelic book, empowering books written by a woman about a woman. All of them were written by men. Yeah. <clears throat> Even Alice in Wonderland was written by a man. And the couple, you know, the, the few books that really did women talked about doing drugs or alcohol in this counterculture setting and really went into this deep spiral of addiction or assault. And somehow, you know, they came out of it and they were healed because they were sober, but there really aren't any amazing empowered, empowered, like, yeah, let's fucking do this. <laughs> like <laughs> the fear, the fear, the fear and loathings, the electric Kool-Aid acid tests. There's none of those written by a woman about a woman. So yeah, all you girls should read my book and help empower, help get female literature yeah. out there. So it's there. like the first of its kind, really. I know. I'm. I That's can't. Cool. I. I couldn't believe it. That seems insane to me, and I'm yeah. still waiting to be proven wrong. But until I am, I'm calling it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you got it in our book. That's that's a really important message, though. You know. Um, and I like I'm circling back a little bit, but I like uh, you mentioned the idea of uh, creating experiences uh, a little bit back. And it, it seems to be that that's kind of a trend that you've continued with and in, in your life and, and what you do. Um, can you talk about kind of how how you've implemented that since you've kind of made that? And has that always been your nature to kind of like that be that important to you, creating experiences or is that something that's like fostered and grown? Oh, um, both of them. It's always okay. been really important to me, but I definitely have developed a lot more tools over through my 20s and into my 30s. I'm 35, if you guys are wondering. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, so I always had that, that feeling innately inside of me, but I learned about you know, organizing and spreadsheeting and having the right tools and teams and materials. So yeah, I went from... I started working in restaurants when I was 16. 
and mm. worked in restaurants till I was about 26, which I always felt really drawn to just that hospitality aspect. Um, in volunteering at festivals and doing production, I loved to make like sacred spaces and altars and just little like fun art things where people could like climb on top of things or climb underneath things, just almost creating these magical playgrounds for people to find. And I would get really excited thinking about like the little experiences they would have or what random people would find their way into like this little, you know, fur hole with crystals and lights that I could, that I made and kind of like hid in the corner of a rave room. Um, (laughs) so just anything that, that makes interaction. Um, I went from doing that work to, to private chef work. I'm primarily focusing on cooking for yoga retreats and spiritual gatherings. So I took a lot of that energy into creating these beautiful meals to help, to help nourish people through their journeys. And I've been doing that work for about seven years now. Um, and I'm, kind of evolving now into doing more like seated dinners and collaborating with local farmers and local Mm. stylists and this and that. And so I really feel that same energy is from, you know, festivals and rave days as creating, creating the space for people to have a really beautiful experience that's going to bring them closer together and also elevate them and make them curious about something, something else in their life. Like just story storytelling in general, I can do it through words and the book. Um, I can, you can storytell through food. You can storytell through art. Um, yeah, and I I'm also in the process of launching my relaunching my big business, my baby. Mm-hmm. I have a company called More Please that is a digital marketplace for chefs and health and wellness. So you guys are familiar with like upwork.com or freelancer.com. It's going to be a similar platform to that, but for but for chefs who do similar work as me, like retreat catering, pre and postnatal, custom diets, vegan food. And I'm really excited about that. I anything that I love, I want to help, I want to empower others to have that same path. And I definitely went into a space where I was mentoring a number of other chefs that wanted to do similar work as me. And this platform is going to allow me to do that on a much larger, um, much larger scale. So yeah, (laughs) the book, the book definitely goes into my, you know, my party days, but I've come along, I've come a long way since then. I moved out of San Francisco. I've been living on Maui for six years. I teach yoga, I cook, I cook for a living and I've definitely found a really sweet, peaceful existence. But I feel like a lot of those schools, uh, tools and actualizations came from those early days of being involved in, in parties and festivals. Mm-hmm. How did you, what type of, uh, two questions, what type of yoga do you practice? And then when did that journey start for you? Yeah, so I practice, I practice and I teach vinyasa flow. Uh, which is a little bit more of a dancey style of yoga. Def- definitely more of, it's a little bit more of a physical practice as opposed to like a Zen or a yin practice. Mm. Uh, I started I started go- going to yoga about the same time I started going to Burning Man when I was 20, 21, 22. Mm. But it wasn't, and I kind of dabbled with it over the years. And it wasn't until I moved to Maui that my practice really, really deepened and I went to teacher training. I wasn't even planning on being a teacher initially. I just wanted to immerse myself and understand it on a deeper level. 
And like most things, if I love something, I want to share it. And I find that when I'm when I'm teaching regularly, I just do, I don't know, one to three classes a week, not a lot at all. I find that when I'm when I'm teaching, that I'm much more, that I'm a better student, that I hold myself more accountable, that I show up more in my practice, both the physical practice and the spiritual practice. Mm. And I uh, listened to a, a previous interview podcast you did, and you guys were talking a lot about meditation. What um, What's your experience with meditation and how has that relationship kind of um, changed throughout, throughout your life? Yeah, so um, I, I love meditating, but I don't think I'm very good at it. <laughs> like I, my, my mind is hyperactive. I absolutely have a writer's brain where I have so many words and thoughts all the time. Um, I meditate now about, I'm a little bit loose with myself. I was doing five minutes a morning and now I have a timer set for 15 or 20 minutes and I'll meditate Sometimes I'll do mala beads and affirmations. Um, sometimes I'll journal. Sometimes I'll do tarot cards or, um, or oracle cards. And I just kind of give myself that space for, for intention setting, whatever that means. I just have all my little magical tools in front of my altar and try, try to think without thoughts and just use that intuition mm-hmm. and just figure out whatever is calling me is calling me right then. But yeah, meditation has always been really, really difficult for me, but even just, pro- even just a few minutes a day, I feel like I notice the benefits, um, in every other part in, in the rest of the day. And in my life, just being able to attempt to calm or even just listening to your thoughts instead of trying to control them. It's, you know, ask, ask any, any spiritual teacher, any mindset teacher, any coach. And the first thing they'll do is be like, just, just do it. <laughs> um, I do want to learn a little bit more about transcendental meditation. I just sent an email inquiry to uh, to the main center, which is like 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening. And it's supposed to be really good for people like me that have an issue with um, with meditating the classic way, which is just kind of counting your breath and sitting there. Mm-hmm. But I haven't done that yet, so I don't have any information to give you. Um, <laughs> so you don't know what, say, what like the main differences are, or no? I actually don't. They're kind of no. trick. They don't really tell you very much about it. It's oh, um, it's okay. customized. It's a customized practice for each person that um that somebody gives you. Oh, okay. Um, I will say that using different things like like sound healing or um or mala beads which are traditional like buddhist hindu prayer beads there's 108 of them and you use each bead to count um a mantra that you say in your head having something like that to kind of focus my mind on instead of just sitting in complete stillness and silence helps Mm. and being in a room of other people meditating helps as well because i feel like that energy is kind of held by others not just by me but yeah, I'm a big advocate of meditation, but I don't think I'm very good at it. So <laughs> I'll take that as you will. <laughs> um, I feel like yoga kind of prepares you for that state of meditation. Have you had that experience? Like if you're, you say you have a writer's brain, your head's moving quickly. You're thinking about a lot of different things at once, but do you feel like meditation kind of soothes your body, aligns you in a, and, and gets you to a point where you can sit and meditate more clearly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yoga, the physical practice of yoga and, and traditional 
sense is only like 8% of the entire practice of what yoga is, which has to do with, um, with the med with meditation, with, um, with just different values and ethos you live your life by. And the physical practice is to prepare you to be able to sit for long periods of time. And I, after, yeah, after doing a yoga class, I feel like I outlet a lot of energy and I've already been focusing on centering with the breath, but there's movement combined with it. So it can be easier to concentrate on it rather than just sitting still. Mm-hmm. And I, I noticed that too. When I, when I teach yoga, a lot of the time I'll have a pre-meditation and then a post-meditation, if it's just one to three minutes. And at the beginning, you kind of see me, myself included, I'm so fidgety. Um, at the beginning and you kind of see everybody like fidgeting a little bit and they're doing this. And then after, after Shavasana at the end of the class, I invite them to come back in and sit and you can just see the energy shifted from how they were at the beginning of class. And they just are very easily able to drop into stillness. Their bodies warmed up, their brain is focused. The breath is already focused and there's a huge, huge shift. It kind of gets the monkey brain to calm down a bit, I feel it like. It gets the monkey brain to calm down. And you were saying it's like 8% is the actual yoga part. What's what's the, I mean, I mean, if you can, what what's the rest of the yogic practice then? If you're willing to dive into that a little bit, if, if, a, if a little bit of it, you don't have to like. Uh, I, can, I, can do, I can do a little, part. yeah, I can definitely do, do a little bit. Um Oh God, it's been a while since I've studied this. So there's like the kleshas and the yamas and the niyamas, which are these different these different guides, almost like the Ten Commandments of ways to live your life and how to properly utilize your energy and and take care of your body and honor your body as a temple. And there's a lot of just you know do no harm, making sure that you're pure of thoughts, pure of action, pure of deeds, being kind to other people. Um, yeah, that's, I've been, sorry, I haven't, I did yoga teacher training five years ago and we went into all of this really, really deeply and I don't want to misquote, <laughs> I don't want to misquote anything because okay. most of my, most of my sequential reading and study has been, has been more on the physical practice and on um, like different, different mantras and a little bit of Sanskrit and, um, and oh God, I'm forgetting the word right now mudras which is the different symbols that you can make with your hands so i yeah i that kind of ties I in I'm, done, I'm, I'm done i'm done talking about the history of history of yoga because i'm not an expert but no worries <laughs> no, I, mean, uh, I don't want to give any i don't want to give any incorrect information and i don't feel like bullshitting so <laughs> Put a disclaimer i respect too much i respect yoga too much to bullshit about it yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I was just thinking we could put a disclaimer up or something and say, hey, this is <laughs> but I know that kind of ties in with chakra systems too, which I won't go into either because uh, the, the probability of us bullshitting is pretty high if we go into that. But it's, also, <laughs> it's also very interesting. I know the mudras tie into that. If, you, if you're willing to, I'd like to reflect real quick on a line you have from your book. But Yeah, absolutely. Logic competes with the heart's purpose. I say softly as my hand once again begins to massage my heart's energy center. I feel pale pink light grow there and a tiny square begins to spin. But you say logic competes with the heart's purpose. What does that mean to you at this point in your life compared to what it meant? Oh my God. That's one of my favorite lines in the book. I'm so happy that you said that. Um, Logic competes with heart's purpose. So the heart, the heart isn't logical. The heart doesn't think the heart, 
is completely selfless. The heart just just gives purely and envelopes anybody anybody that wants in this this loving light. And we get into our mind, we get into our brain, and there's you know all of a sudden there's logic involved that kind of that is a completely different mechanism than what the heart when what the heart wants. Logic is like oh you know this this person has a good job and you know they can take care of me or we make sense or like you know everybody thinks that we're really good together or or I can't be with this person because they don't have X and X and X and you know I think that the at least for me, the older I've gotten, dating has has changed because I'm not just looking for for love. I've had love before. I'm looking. I'm really looking for a partner and a potential father for these children that I want to have. And so there has to be a little bit of that logic in there. So the you know I've fallen I've fallen in love with people that can't show up for me, that haven't done their work, that can't match me on these different levels, and end up just you know, kind of, kind of fucking up, but the heart's there, the heart, their hearts are connected. And on the opposite side, I've dated people who are absolutely incredible and they check off all these boxes. They are amazing to me. They're good humans. I could see them being great fathers, but there's not that heart space there. And it's just, I just know that it's not going to work. So I, I'd like to be able to find somebody who, who's aligned both logically in the mind and also that like spiritual place in the heart. Mm. It's like a difficult balance to hold, you know. Absolutely, it's a challenge, and I'm on an island, so it's even harder. Anyway, no two wanted to. I mean, I'm sure I can I can find um, something, but. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel, I feel really, I feel really good. I feel like we covered, we covered a lot. Um, I really, really appreciate that you guys actually took the space to read the book and, and I, I can feel that it touched you and that you, that you care about it. I just really want to thank you for that. That's the biggest affirmation and validation as an artist is to have people feel touched and care about the work that you put out so thank you thank you so much of course absolutely yeah yeah you guys have anything else awesome (laughs) i I did want to i did want to talk a little bit more about your relationship with uh cooking and food and um I'm getting really personally really interested in the relation relationship between like like wellness and food, not just physical wellness, obviously, but more more so spiritual wellness and and uh, mental wellness. Um, is that part of what you do with your with your cooking? Or are you strictly just going off of what tastes good? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I I was I am a classically trained chef from like Cordon Bleu back in I think two thousand six, but my I definitely, I've also trained for two years in holistic nutrition. I've studied Ayurveda, um, medicinal plant medicine making and, um, and raw foods. I have clients that are whole 30, that are paleo, that are keto, that have this whole different spectrum of all of these different, these different health oriented diets. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I believe that everything that health is holistic and you have you have to be healthy in mind healthy in body healthy in spirit they all go together 
like the body, the body is our house here in this form on this earth. And so we have to take care of our bodies so that our spirits and our minds have, have a nice space to live so they can do their work. Like I know that when I'm sick or not feeling well, that it definitely messes me up mentally and, um, and spiritually, it changes the whole perspective. So maintaining my health is really important for me so that I can keep on ex- um, excelling mentally and spiritually and seeing how far that'll take me. Mm-hmm. And you, you touched on medicinal medicine as well. Can you, or, or was that? Yeah, or, absolutely. Um, I have a really, medicine? Yeah, I have um, Hawaiian, Hawaiian wild crafting. Okay. So yeah. I have so, a really yeah, incredible friend, mentor and teacher here. Um, who's trained in, who's trained with Hawaiian elders, very trained in, um, in traditional Chinese medicine and then in Western herbology as well. So we're actually, we're working right now and getting an online class up that's, um, cooking, that's cooking with medicine and using, using d- different common foods, you know, like garlic, garlic, ginger, just to name some easy ones and how to integrate them into different foods to, to eat. So it still tastes good. So it doesn't feel like you're eating medicine, but you're using yeah. food intentionally and medicinally. Um, so yeah, we, we spent, I think I did a hundred hour training with him and we would go out and just, you know, look at different plants and talk about their properties. And he be like, okay, this is how the Hawaiians use this. This is how the Chinese would use this. And this is how like, West with is what Western science says when it studies it. And so it's looking at all these different belief systems and studies and modalities that sometimes contradict each other a little bit. And I've yeah. always been intrigued. I've always been intrigued by that. It's like, I've, you know, I told you, I have some clients that are Ayurveda, some that are keto, some that are whole 30. And these are all completely different systems that completely mm-hmm. contradict each other. But I think that every, it's up to everybody to find what, what works for them and what works for their body. And I want to be able to meet everybody where they're at. And also offer wisdom and insight into, into what they're eating and, and making sure they know why they're doing it. It wasn't just because they read some article and they're like, oh, this is good for you. I'm going to try this. I'm like, okay, let's actually talk about this. <laughs> there's not a lot of um, information for people, at least at this time in history, when, if they're looking into doing those two types of diets and doing holistic health, there's not, it's not always easily accessible to find very good objective sources on if what I'm doing is healthy for me or not. I feel like you said there's a lot of articles out there where it'll be like, do this, do this. And it's kind of wave tops. But when it comes down to the actual nutrition side of it, it's really, it's complex and you got to make sure you're doing it right. If you're going to stay healthy, like for instance, if you do keto wrong, it can be very unhealthy for you. But if you do it right, it could be awesome. And then you're talking about how there's all this different information on different stuff you're studying and how it contradicts. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, do you see, do you see that as a need now is, is for people there to be clear information out there on how people can use these different herbs and diets? Yeah, I mean, their lives? We're, we're, in, we're in the age of information right now. So there's going to be just as much good information as there is disinformation. Um, I don't think there's any, I think that having somebody who you trust, whether it's, um, it's a doctor or a health coach, if you really want to go deep into one of one of these different systems, it can be really, really helpful. Um, it's you can kind of tell who's fluff and who isn't, you know, when they're very obviously trying to sell you things or they're not allowing space for any other way of being besides what they believe and they're extremely dogmatic. And then I could tend to stay away from that. 
I think the best advice I could give to anybody who's wanting to, to eat healthy is to not even worry about those systems. It's just to really listen to your body. Go to the farmer's market, just eat real food. Um, Michael Pollan's a wonderful resource. He wrote um, in Defense of Food and the Omnivore's Dilemma. It just eat real food. His thing is simple. Eat real food, mostly plants. You know, yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm a really good vegetarian and vegan chef, but I, I eat meat. Uh, I don't eat a lot of it, but eat what makes your body feel good and listen to your body. That's the hard part. You know, it's really easy to just get caught up in wanting to have the pizza or the burger or whatever is microwave in the freezer. And, you know, you listen to the way that your body feels after that versus when, when you eat a salad, because, you know, salads aren't even that good for some people. Some people don't process raw food and they need something, something more grounding and heavy. Like for me, I actually prefer to eat cooked vegetables. I love root vegetables. I love rice. And some people do really, really good eating mostly fruit and mostly salads. Some people feel really good when they have a lot of protein. So just, you know, play, play around a little bit. Just observe, observe how you feel and make little notes on that. And then if it feels good, keep on doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, like for me, I'm also a lot more aware of my hormones too. Like when, when I'm on my period, I eat whatever the fuck I want. I get a burger and chocolate cake. And I notice that I eat a lot more the week leading up to that. And then the week after I'm not very hungry and I like lighter foods and I start naturally intermittent fasting. I'll probably just, I'll just have my, my mushroom latte in the morning and then I'll have like a big dinner and I feel great. But then, you know, the week, the week before, week before my period, I get really hungry and craving. I just let myself eat because that's what my body's, my body's wanting. You know, we all have a lot of noise. We all have a lot of noise in our heads. And that goes, I guess that goes back to the meditation is trying to clear out some of the noise so you can really listen to these subtle shifts in you and in the world around you and trust yourself to, to make the changes, to honor what your, what your subconscious and your gut feeling is telling you. Mm-hmm. Mm. It kind of sounds like intuitive eating. We had a guest on who Cole Mercer, but he runs, he's essentially a personal trainer. He's learning, getting his PhD to get into kinesiology or whatever smart term it is. I can't say it. <laughs> but a lot of what he's talking about, what he was talking about was intuitive eating, but essentially listening to your body, tuning into your body. And it's interesting to see you also mirror that same perspective. Mm. Yeah, the- ab- absolutely. Oh, and another really great, easy resource um, I'll recommend to people is Whole30. Whole30, it's a, it's a cookbook. It's a 30-day, just take anything out of your system that could possibly give you an allergic allergic reaction or inflammation. Um, it's actually, it's not great for vegans and vegetarians, unfortunately, because it's hard. They remove, um, they remove all legumes and dairy and, um, and all sugars and processed foods and peanuts. So it can be hard to get enough protein, but that's one of my favorite, favorite recommendations. Cause after you, after you spend 30 days eliminating all of these possible trigger foods, then when you start to integrate them again, your body is in this really nice anti-inflammatory neutral state. And so you can listen to it and actually, and really, really feel what feels good and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Cool. So yeah, whole, eat, eat, eat real food. If you really want to go deep, try, um, try whole 30 or an elimination diet. Cool. Okay. You referenced a, uh, a mushroom latte. Can you t- tell us what that involves and, uh, maybe what Absolutely. you, yeah, I got off. I got off coffee a couple of months ago. So I'm, I'm using 
medicinal mushrooms um, in powder form. Like I have reishi, chaga, lion's mane, which are all for different things. Some of them is brain, some of it's more energy, some of it's like neurological. And I ha- I mix that with, um, with cacao, cacao powder. And I do a little bit of raw honey and some MCT oil and a little bit of ghee and some coconut creamer. And I just blend it up and I have these delicious lattes that give me a very slight, slight energy boost, but not the same, not the same up and down as coffee. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll do some turmeric in it. I'll have some mornings where I'll switch out the mushrooms for, for matcha, for Japanese green tea. Right on. And I, I was like, I've been a coffee drinker for years and years and years. And I was noticing that I was just literally drinking coffee all day instead of water. And I was like, this, I'm okay with coffee here and there, but this probably isn't good for me. <laughs> and I just trans- transitioned over to my mushroom lattes and I'm really happy with them. Cool. Very cool. Well, before we, we end off things here, mm-hmm. uh, I just want, if you could advertise, you know, this business you're working on, how people can connect to that. Uh, your book, the best way to get in contact with it, you know, a website, how do people find you and how can they learn more about Kyra and getting connected with what you're about and your story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll shoot you guys over all my handles so you can post them easily. Uh, my mm-hmm. name is Kyra Bramble. Um, my Instagram is just at Kyra Bramble. I'm pretty active on there. I also have a chef account. Um, my book, I'm going to hold this up. My book is um, is called Burning Wings. It's available on Amazon, both in Kindle and in print. I really recommend getting the print version. It has a lot of customizations and illustrations and, and formatting that I put a lot of energy into. There's also links for that in my Instagram, in my Instagram link tree. Uh, my company is called More Please. It's More Please with a Z. So M-O-R-E-P-L-E-A-Z-E. And we're at moreplease.com. Um, we're going to be relaunching in May. First, we'll be doing open enrollment for chefs. And then we'll be launching for, for clients to book the chefs. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. We're on Instagram and Facebook, um, both at More Please with a Z. And yeah, give me some, give me some love. Thank you so much for everybody for helping support my my crazy dreams and this crazy journey it's i've come a long way since i was the girl that that book is about (laughs) (laughs) she's still inside of me and i still have her lessons so yeah read read the book especially you ladies out there absolutely that's such a good account and we appreciate you so much for taking the time to be with us today i really enjoyed this thank you so much you guys um have a really wonderful rest of your day you too, as well. Um, traditional cheers for signing cheers. off. That is the conclusion of our episode today. Thank you so much for listening. And please, 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 if what we were talking about with the book sounds interesting to you, go and check out Kyra's book, Burning Wings. You can get it uh, anywhere you get books. But it's such a wonderful story and message and so well written. And she's such an incredible person that uh, it would be great if you could go and support her by checking out her work. Um, other than that, next week, we're going to be back to sitting down with a music producer, Conscious Pilot. So that'll be our next release. And uh, it should be a really fun conversation with him as well. So we're looking forward to having you guys back for that. As always, if you like our content, go ahead and follow us however which way you can because we are planning on a bunch of new cool stuff coming out here soon in the futures. 
for a bit of comedic relief, we're going to put in Jack's quote here that he started the episode off with, but when he recorded it on a couple hours of sleep in a very sleep-deprived state, it's really, <laughs> it's pretty funny, and we thought you guys might enjoy it, so here it is. Narrated by Morgan Friedman. The bees buzz loudly and swarm together in search of the flying saucer flowers that hover elegantly in the sky. And elegant giant butterflies fly up into that starlit sky and form rainbows. The rainbows burn too, but their ashes arc up higher and higher and bird clouds. My fairy dances in the clouds, and as she flies through them, she leaves little tunnels. Clouds dance and grow, filling the funnels, expanding, until finally they burst, and they rain brown down bright drops of metallic liquid. I focus on one particular drop. And it descends toward me in a slow motion until it lands right on my third eye with a wet plump. 